It's 11.30 at KRVN on Wednesday, August 25th. It's time for Midday. Tyler Cavalli with you. Glad to be back with you once again. Thanks for Ellen doing a wonderful job and filling in yesterday. Great show coming up for you, as always. In about 15 minutes, we'll catch up with our own Paul Perkins and a regional ag weather update to uh, get an idea of how warm it's going to get once again today and eventually when that sunshine is going to peek through. About half the state is under clouds right now. Jason Jorgensen will join us in sports here in just a few moments. And Bob Rogan will tell us how stocks are performing to uh, as we're midway through this week. That's all coming up. But first, let's catch up with our own Susan Littlefield. Well, thanks so much. Here's what's happening on a midday from the farm team. We are going to check in at 1219 with Farm Rescue and Neil Simmons as we talk about Operation Hayleft that continues with need for hay, not only in the Dakotas, but westward as well. Alex will come in at 1245 as she talks with Ted Perry with Perina, talking about nutrition tips for areas of drought. And then I'll wrap up everything at 117. As I talked to Dr. Patrick Webb with the National Pork Board about AgView and the uptick that they're seeing in producers signing up since African swine fever was found within the Dominican Republic. So that's a midday from the farm team. Okay. Thank you very much, Susan. Sure appreciate it. Let's now turn things over to Jason Jorgensen in sports. Hastings Little League still live. Elimination game this afternoon at 2 against Abilene of Texas. Uh, Hastings goes into this one a little shorthanded on pitching. They've uh, thrown their two big guns, so they might have to make it up this afternoon. Might have to score <laughs> a lot of runs to stay alive, but that's happened before in Little League. Yeah, it, they've done a great job of fighting back in each game when they've been down. This has been a fun group to follow. It's it's gravy at this point. They've gone further in this tournament than any team from the state of Nebraska has ever gone. Also coming up in sports, we'll hear from Nebraska's offensive coordinator about how the Huskers plan to use that I-back or running back position come Saturday. They still really haven't uh, declared who their guy is going to be. Uh, they'd like to have a single back to go to, but it might have to be by a committee approach. We'll hear from Matt Lubick on that, and we'll... Talk some Highline Bulls football as they will begin the season on Friday at home against Arapaho. That's a game we'll have here on 880 KRVN. They were one of the quickest teams around last year, and Coach Spiegel says he might even be faster Oh, this year. You might have a track meet on your hand. You and Darren Hansen on Friday night on the call here on the Blue Torch. Might be like a little six-man game yeah. going <laughs> up and down, just uh, sprinting. That's okay. Uh, I was talking to a Arapaho coach, and he said, listen, we might not be the fastest, but... These kids, it's in their DNA. They love to hit. So it's going to be a fun game coming up on Friday. You might get a shootout. It'll get you in mid-season form on opening night. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Hang with us on uh, Friday, that's for sure. All right, good stuff. Uh, Bob Brogan uh, also loves to hit. What do you have for us coming up on midday? Mixed start on Wall Street. Big tech companies gain. Healthcare and other sectors are falling today. The S&P 500 was little changed in the early going. Delta Airlines won't force employees to get vaccinated, but it's going to make unvaccinated workers pay a fee, a monthly uh, charge if they don't. Uh, Also uh, in the news, federal ocean regulators considering new rules to protect protect endangered North Atlantic uh, whales from fishing gear. So Hmm. uh, they're going to try to protect them. And uh, talks today about... uh, Stopping sophisticated cybersecurity defenses and uh, helping in that area at the White House. 
At the recent Nebraska Broadcasters Convention in Omaha, KRVN won six awards at the Awards of Excellence Banquet. KRVN Farm Director Susan Littlefield took home gold in the Service to Agriculture category for keeping agriculture safe during COVID-19. Morning News anchor Bob Brogan wins silver for Best Newscast. In the Best In-Depth Sports Story or Series category, Lana Green took home silver for Loper Leadup and Jason Jorgensen won bronze for Husker Chat. Alex Wachowski takes home silver for SCC Ag Club Fundraising Goal and Bryce Duskit and Alex win silver in Best Online Video for Friday 5, McRib returns to Nebraska. In addition, sister stations in Scotts Bluff, Holdridge, and West Point took home honors in the following categories. Service to Ag, Best Continuing Coverage of a News Story, Best Use of Multimedia Journalism, and Service to Children. KRBN and the Nebraska Rural Radio Stations, your trusted voice for news, weather, sports, and... Uh, thanks. It is time for regional ag weather updates. Paul Perkins is now joining us, brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your Ranky dealer. Well, right now it's fairly cool for uh, a good majority of Nebraska, Paul. If you're out east, maybe not so much, but these clouds are keeping temperatures down a little bit. Yeah, right into the 70s, even some low 70s in many locations underneath this um, layer of clouds that we've got uh, long and west of a line, basically from about Norfolk to Albion down to around the Kearney and Holdridge area on into much of northwest Kansas and much of southwest Nebraska. Still a fair amount of cloud cover. But you go to the east, that's where temperatures are into the 80s and a lot more sunshine. Starting to see some gaps in this cloud cover, especially towards northern Lincoln County and North Platte. And we will see increasing amounts of sunshine as the afternoon goes on here. Okay. And right now there also is some a little bit of rain, a little bit uh, in the hyenas Mullen area moving up to Valentine. And, and the stuff in southeast Nebraska is not dissipating or move out, but is there any chance that some of that stuff continues to build and moves across Nebraska or no? We could see a chance of some scattered thunderstorms this evening all the way into tomorrow morning. A cold front that's brought some cooler temperatures to western and central areas of Nebraska and Kansas. That will be lifting to the north as a warm front, so some scattered thunderstorms possible there. Then also some chances of thunderstorms by tomorrow night with the system moving in and also on a Saturday night. Okay, but otherwise today, temperatures, when the sun does finally appear, <laughs> are going to warm up. Exactly. Right now we have temperatures in the 60s still in the Nebraska Panhandle, still at 59 right now, a gearing to the south of Scotts Bluff, but most of the Nebraska Panhandle in the low to mid-60s. Underneath the cloud cover across west-central Nebraska, on it to north... Uh, Mainly west-central Nebraska, those temperatures, west-central and north-central Nebraska temperatures right now in the low to mid-70s. But many of us with temperatures right now in the upper 70s to the low 80s, especially from the Tri-Cities on into eastern Nebraska and from Norton and uh, Colby, Kansas, on into much of eastern Kansas. If you're looking for a hot spot, you can go to Manhattan, Kansas, where the temperature right now is 90, definitely that cold front not making it to there. Uh, their heat index right now at 97 degrees, so definitely feeling the heat compared to the the 60s into the Nebraska Panhandle and a lot of those showers and thunderstorms in the Nebraska Sandhills right now. Hyannis to Mullen to just west of Valentine, but that for the time being lifting to the north and northeast. With the cold front pushing to the southeast today, slightly cooler in central and western Nebraska, but still it will be about 5 degrees warmer than normal once the stars, sunshine starts to come out. Areas farther to the southeast remaining hot with highs in the mid to upper 90s and heat index readings reaching into the low and mid 100s, especially from 
eastern Nebraska into much of northern Kansas. This evening through tomorrow morning, scattered thunderstorms are possible. As this cold front that moved through the region today, it lifts back to the north as a warm front. Behind the warm front, daytime highs return to the 90s and low 100s region-wide for tomorrow into Saturday. Scattered thunderstorms over the Nebraska Sandhills for tomorrow afternoon could spill into central and eastern Nebraska by tomorrow night. Better chances for thunderstorms return with the cold front on Saturday night. Temperatures will briefly cool to seasonal levels on Sunday if you're looking for a nice day before those temperatures warm to slightly warmer than average from Monday into Wednesday. In the long-term forecast, chances remain very good for warmer than normal temperatures Monday through the first seven days of next month for Nebraska and Kansas. Slightly above normal rainfall, though, is indicated for Nebraska and Kansas Monday through September 7th, so a wetter forecast and a warmer forecast. Key weather factors driving the markets include the continuation of daily rain chances across the Corn Belt and active weather in southern Brazil. Starting tomorrow afternoon, a significant rain event should begin to unfold across the upper Midwest. Late week and weekend rainfall totals could reach 3 to 5 inches in the upper Mississippi Valley and the upper Great Lakes. Much of the rest of the U.S., though, will experience late summer heat and relatively dry weather, including little or no rain the next five days from the Pacific Coast to much of the central and southern plains. In the Midwest, active weather this next week, especially across the western areas, should be favorable for filling corn and soybeans. Not everyone in the Midwest, though, will see rain, and there could be more severe weather. The northern plains also expect to stay very active this next week with scattered rain and mostly below normal temperatures, providing rain for later developed corn and soybeans and some easing of the long-standing drought. Helpful rainfall is predicted for southern Brazil. Rainfall will benefit the developing to reproductive wheat where it occurs. Soil moisture, though, continues to be below normal in southern Brazil, and more rain is needed. More moisture also needed farther north in Brazil as the country awaits the start of the wet season before significant spring planting gets underway. Way. You know, Paul, uh, especially if you're out west uh, or depending where you're listening, it's already starting to see some of that corn beginning to turn a little yes. bit. And so we are getting to that time of year. Yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot of it denning, and of course, a lot of people just that, that big good rain that we had right. last week. They said that's it; uh, we don't need any more uh, moisture and uh, <laughs> shutting the pivots off and the irrigation pumps off. So. Okay. Well, meanwhile, other people are like, no, 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 we need the rain. It just depends <laughs> yeah. who you are. If yeah. you want the rain or if you don't want the rain. Uh, but it sounds like right around normal uh, in terms of this time of year for the amount of rain we'll get. Yes, we're starting to see that a little more active weather pattern uh, starting to pick, uh, kick in. Those high-pressure ridges kind of suppressing that uh, thunderstorm developing usually during the uh, summer months of July, but starting to give way to some cooler and wetter weather. Okay. All right. For a full weather forecast, where can somebody find that? Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you. Public Power District. Is there a chance that you might have some extra hay available? Because right now, there's a desperate need for hay. Hi, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. I'm talking today with Neil Simmons. He is one of the field operation managers for Farm Rescue. He's also in charge of Operation Haylift. There there are a lot of people across North Dakota and, and Western South Dakota that are just super, super dry this year. They've... Um, uh, there's been some wildfires as well in those areas that have burned up uh, pasture land that they would have normally put put cattle out on, and you know just just everything dried up quickly, and and uh, they weren't able to run the cattle as, as long on some of these pastures as they normally would. So, what are you looking for when it comes to hay at this point? 
you know, really any any good hay. You know, we've we've gotten several uh, offers of you know one or two year old hay that's maybe been uh, sitting outside and. Um, it's, it's always disappointing when we drop off a load of donated hay at a, uh, um, at someone's place and, and they look at it and it's, it's half moldy. And, uh, so really some, some decent hay would be much appreciated. Um, you know, and as, as far as type, it, I don't think it matters right now. Uh, you know, right. If it's grass, if it's alfalfa, if it's, you know, uh, slough grass, you know, really, it's it would all be acceptable, I think, because uh, really these cattle just need something in their belly. Are you looking for um, round bales, square bales? What, what What's needed right now? Yeah, round bales, uh, big square square bales. Small square bales are, are uh, just a little bit more difficult for us to transport long distances. So we've kind of been shying away from small squares, uh, but large square bales and round bales are, you know, we're, we're very much able to transport those. And uh, we do transport those with our own trucks. So our, uh, we've got our own trucks and trailers. Uh, the drivers that we have are volunteers. So we're able to move that, that hay uh, cheaper than, than uh, you know, your normal hay hauler would. And uh, we pass that savings along. You know, we, uh, we ask for a small uh, fee from the people that we deliver to of a, for a fuel reimbursement. Uh, but it's much, much less than they would pay uh, a regular hay hauler to, uh, to do. Somebody wants to make that donation. How do they go about doing that for you guys? Uh, well, you can call uh, Farm Rescue's office directly um, or visit us online at farmrescue.org uh, or you can call me directly. Uh, I'm in charge of our Operation Haylift program this year. My number, uh, if you're ready for it, is 701 212 3851 and that'll ring directly to my cell phone and I can uh, take information and and we can talk about what you have to offer. Great opportunity for folks to to step up and help and we know that many Nebraskans uh, during the flooding of 19 received hay from you guys so if they can it's a great time to return the favor. Yes absolutely. Um, Help Neighbors helping neighbors that's what uh, farm and ranch life is all about. That's my conversation with Neil Simmons. He's a field operation manager with Farm Rescue. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. It is time for Midday Sports. Jason Jorgensen is joining us, and Little League World Series continuing in uh, Pennsylvania. Yeah, and Hastings will play in a little bit, 90 minutes. They have an elimination game against Abilene, Texas. Each team a little short on pitching, but that's what happens when you fall into the 
loser's bracket. So Hastings is 2-1 and one so far in the tournament. So is Abilene, Texas. We'll see if the kids from the Queen City can come up with another victory this afternoon. They have been resilient, and it has been fun to watch. And uh, as you mentioned, this is uh, uh, you have to win from here on out. What do you suppose the share is today of cable systems in the greater <laughs> Adams County area at 2 o'clock? <laughs> ESPN's probably right. going to be on. If it's not on a cable, it's going to be on people's phones. Yep. Streaming it. You're right. It's going to be on virtually everything, which is great. That's good stuff. The Huskers go into their season opener in Illinois. Not exactly sure who their lead running back will be. Offensive coordinator Matt Lubick talks about how he'd like to use a position. We want to have one guy kind of take the bulk of the load. And the other thing, it's sometimes the game determines that. If a guy gets in there, is running really well and breaking tackles and doing a good job, that guy's going to stay in there. But at the same time, you got to be smart enough to have a point where he's a 10-play drive and he's not as efficient or he's a little bit tired. We need to get another guy in there, and we feel like we have capable backups to do that. Kickoff on Saturday is set for around 12.20 from Illinois. We'll bring you the game here on 880 KRVN, 106.9 at Kearney, and 98.5 in Grand Island. Highline begins its second season as a co-op for football on Friday night when the Bulls open up at home against Arapahoe. Now, last year, they were one of the quickest teams around, and head coach Ben Spiegel says, look for that to be a strength again. Uh, I would argue our starters are faster this year than last year. Um, we've got some some uh, role players from last year who, who saw a little bit of, of varsity playing time that were uh, some underclassmen that were quick, and now we've kind of moved them into the starting roles, um, like like a Colton Stubbs, for example, uh, running back Cooper Ray. Um, Isaiah Bullis is going to see a lot of playing time, and then probably our fastest kid is, is the sophomore, Riker Evans. The big question for Highline is, who replaces Connor Schutz, quarterback and defensive end? Mm-hmm. Kim's a pretty good player. He was. Stubbs is going to have his hands full at quarterback, but he can handle it. He got some time out back in the backfield as well. Tell you what, their backfield uh, last year was very, very fun to watch. Was so if anything kind of like what they were a year ago, it's going to be a successful team. The Friday's game with the Rabbitoh kicks off at a seven. Uh, at seven, we'll have it here on eight eighty KRVN at one hundred six point nine at Carney. And breaking news that just came across after they've been talking all morning about how the Broncos couldn't decide on a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Good old Teddy Bridgewater will start for the Broncos in their season opener against the Giants. I don't know how to feel about it. Hip, hip, hooray! Yeah, yeah. Listen, what I, the way I envision this season is we're just patching it together and uh, until Aaron Rodgers gets there next year. Mm-hmm. I'm still we, sticking we, to those. We thought he was going to be here. We, well, we didn't think. We were hoping yeah, that he'd be yeah. pulling the shots. Next know. year, though. Hope you're right. That's sports so for more. <laughs> Find it anytime at krvn.com. Uh, thank you very much. Hi, this is Greg Sharp. The Husker football team opens the 2021 season on the road against Big Ten foe Illinois. Catch every snap against the Illini on the longest-running Husker football affiliate, KRVN. I'm Colby. It is time for Midday News, and Ellen Simmons is now stepping in. What do you have for us today? Well, a California man is being held on $500,000 bond in the Dawson County Jail on suspicion of a controlled substance and possession with intent to deliver after 11 pounds of suspected fentanyl was found in a vehicle during a traffic stop near Lexington on Monday night. 
The driver, 27-year-old Alexis Mario Godoy of Long Beach, California, was arrested. He could be released pending his next court appearance by posting 10% of the bond in the case as in this case, $50,000. According to a Nebraska State Patrol release, about 11 p.m., a trooper stopped an eastbound BMW with defective lighting traveling on Interstate 80 near Lexington. During the traffic stop, the trooper and a Dawson County Sheriff's deputy saw marijuana inside the vehicle, and a search found a small amount of marijuana along with the fentanyl. Uh, Godoy's arraignment in Dawson County Court is expected to occur on Monday at 10 a.m., according to a spokeswoman at the Dawson County Court. The patrol said the Drug Enforcement Administration estimates 11 pounds of fentanyl contains about 2.5 million lethal doses. Nebraska's health agency has rejected a request from the state's most populous county for approval to issue a countywide mandate requiring people to wear face masks indoors. The order would be would have applied to excuse me, the order would have applied not only to businesses, but to schools within Douglas County's borders. The Nebraska Department of Health and Human Services denied on Tuesday the request from Douglas County Health Director Lindsay Hughes. In his denial, Nebraska Director of Public Health Gary Antone said his agency had to balance the benefit to the public with individual liberty. The state agency is overseen by Governor Peter Ricketts, who has steadfastly opposed mask mandates, even as COVID-19 cases have soared. Nebraska Governor Peter Ricketts says full FDA approval of the Pfizer COVID-19, excuse me, Pfizer COVID vaccine will hopefully overcome some objections among the state's unvaccinated population, but it doesn't mean he will be issuing a vaccination mandate. Ricketts tells KNB News he continues to encourage people to get vaccinated, and while the earlier-than-anticipated approval could lead to an increase in vaccination rates across the state, he still sees it as a personal choice. We ought to be thinking about this for the long term, which is let's work to uh, overcome objections people may have and understand some people may choose not to get the vaccine. So let's not mandate this. Uh, So it really is something that uh, I think that even with the FDA approval, uh, we ought not to be mandating vaccines. Ricketts also says he thinks vaccination mandates by employers could have the potential to be counterproductive. He says, for example, a number of Nebraska health care organizations are mandating vaccination, but workers in the field may have other options, such as working for the state. We're getting the shot remains voluntary. You can find more news at krvn.com. Reporting from the 2021 Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show, I'm Alex Wojcicki on the Rural Radio Network. Today we're joined by Ted Perry. He's the director of Beef Technical Solutions with Purina. Um, I want to talk briefly about drought nutrition. But you guys focus on nutrition. That is yep. your your strong point, and uh, that seems to be the case in a lot of places across the state. Tell me more. Well, um, drought is a moving target. Um, like everybody knows, and it's at different levels at different places. It would really be nice if I could tell you, look, this is how we take care of it. You you just feed X and everything goes away. But everybody has, you know, everybody's drought's different. Everybody's cow herd's in a different part of the cycle. So everything's different. But what we do have is anywhere from, if you have a lot of standing old forage, you know, We've got for we've got supplements for that. If you have if you have good lots of good freestanding forage, pretty much those girls only need a mineral program. 
And we've got everywhere from, from cubes and cakes and everything else that, that whatever your cows need to get them through to when forage comes back again, you know, we've got a, a program that will match whatever that is. And that's, from, as a nutritionist standpoint or working on tech solutions, that's the fun part of our job because it's not cookie cutter. So we do work with that and we work with our, you know, we've got a, you know, a huge field staff um, that they're all well-versed in that. And, you know, we, we work as a team to make sure that each producer gets what they need and the program that fits best for their situation. And a lot of times that's not the best situation, best situation for breeding. Um, a lot of times when you, when you get right down to it, um, we only need, say, you know, minerals or a cooked cup, which is, you know, we're only going to get a quarter of a pound or maybe a half a pound a day supplement in those cattle. If that's what's best for the producer, that's what we want to do. You know, if the producer wants to feed his cows 10 pounds of cubes, by all means, we will sell them that. But they don't, very seldom do they need something like that. Almost always, we can we can stimulate the room and we can and we can stimulate forage intake with our other free choice supplements that we don't have to go to the to the extreme of, of hand feeding the cows a complete diet. So there's lots of options out there. Um, I would just recommend that look ahead of time. There's a lot of areas where grass is getting short, um, forages are getting shorter. Let's find a way to stretch that grass and you're through to this fall when we get some green up if we get some moisture um, so that we're ready for that. The worst day is when people say, okay, I've been out of, I've been out of grass for you know three or four weeks. My cows are getting really thin. What should I feed? That's the worst case scenario. The best case scenario is it's dry. We haven't had rain. The, the forage is getting pretty mature. I've got some standing forage, but just not a lot of it. How do I stretch that to get through to this fall? Because we're in, we're in August. So we will start getting some cooler weather and some, some growth here in the middle of September and October. And we can grow, you know, the forage condition, if the growing conditions are right, we can get quite a bit of standing forage to get us through quite a ways into there. It's just a matter of getting that, bridging that gap and getting the girls what they need when they need it now, rather than getting them behind the eight ball. And like you mentioned, if that's not stretched to get them through to whenever they take them off, that has an impact on next year's calf crop too. Tell me about that. That's the, the the latest kind of some of the latest research is with it's called different things: fetal programming, gestational nutrition. There's lots of different ways for it, but basically, what we're talking about is feeding that calf while he's in utero. Most of us, when we grow up, grew up, we might worry about that calf when she's in that last trimester. But, you know, now we're learning, and a lot of this data is coming right out of University of Nebraska. They were kind of the key people in it 15 years ago to start this. And what we're finding is each, all the way through pregnancy, whether it's in first, second, or third uh, stage of gestation, all of those areas are important. And we can have dramatic effects as to the calf health and the calf productivity once they're born. Some of the data from University of Nebraska shows that not only does it affect those calves when they're born, survivability, health, and everything that we immediately think of, um, weak calf syndrome comes to come to mind. We get that a lot um, in the spring. We'll get calls from people that are worried that the calves are born. Two to three days later, they're just almost dead and really weak. What's going on? And when you go back and look at it, 
that cow was in pretty poor condition when she calved. Cows are an amazing animal or machine that what how low of condition they can be in and they will still raise a calf. They're pretty impressive. I've, I tell people all the time, this cattle nutrition thing is really kind of easy. You give the girls what they need when they eat it and get the hell out of their way because they'll take, they'll take care of everything on their own. That being said, it's important each stage of nutrition, and if you look at some of the, you know, University of Nebraska and other data, that affects the cattle all the way through the feed yard. If you think about it, during utero, when that calf is six or eight weeks into utero, they're starting like some of the primary muscle fiber development. If we starve mama then, we're affecting ribeye area for that calf next year. And same thing with marbling and everything else. So we, we need to make sure that, that mama maintains her body condition score. And we need to, you know, I mean, one of the things that we talked about at Tagline is never let the cow have a bad day. Take care of mama all the way through and let good things happen. Sometimes that means we have to make an investment this time of year when we normally don't think about it. But if we have the girls in better shape, say we get start getting some rain and we're gonna get some, some fall green up. If we have the girls in good shape then, then we supplement them a lot less. We may go to, you know, depending on snow cover, we may get through Thanksgiving or so before we have any supplement forage. But it's because we invested in the girls here in August and September to get them in body condition that they only need mineral getting out into green up into the fall. Right. A lot of things to think about that. Again, Ted Perry joining us. He's the director of Beef Technical Solutions with Purina. Joining us from Nashville, Tennessee at the NCBA Trade Show and Cattle Convention. I'm Alex Wojcicki reporting on the Rural Radio Network. Seven. Stocks are moving higher on Wall Street, keeping the market near record levels as earnings season winds down and investors wait to hear from the Federal Reserve. With the business report, I'm Bob Brogan. At midday, the S&P 500 index was up three-tenths of a percent. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was up three-tenths of a percent, and the Nasdaq was up two-tenths percent higher. Investors are in a holding pattern as Wall Street waits to hear from policymakers at the Federal Reserve later this week when they meet in Jackson Hole, Wyoming for their annual convention. Delta Airlines won't force employees to get vaccinated, but it's going to make unvaccinated workers pay a $200 monthly charge. Delta is saying today it will also require weekly testing for unvaccinated employees starting next month, although the airline says it'll pick up the cost of that testing. Delta isn't going as far as United Airlines, which will require employees to get vaccinated by late September or face termination. Pfizer is seeking U.S. approval of a booster dose of its two-shot COVID-19 vaccine. The drug maker announced today it has started the approval process for a third dose of its vaccine for Americans ages 16 and older. Federal ocean regulators are considering new rules to protect endangered North Atlantic whales from fishing gear. The whales number only about 360 and are vulnerable to entanglement in the gear. Most of the government's efforts to protect them has focused on regulating gear used to harvest lobsters and Jonah crabs. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration said it's working on a new phase of rules that will focus on other fisheries, 
including those that use gill nets and those that use traps and pots. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob. As more producers become concerned about African swine fever now that it's in the Dominican Republic, has there been an uptick in the AgView program? Hi, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network, and I asked that question of Dr. Patrick Webb with the National Pork Board. He is the acting veterinarian for the MPB, and we talked about AgView and that increase in inquiries. The first time that we saw a huge uptick in what we were doing with AgView was 2018 when China said, hey, we've got African swine fever. Um, Now that it's in the Western Hemisphere and the DR, roughly a 1,000 miles off the shore, to tell you the interest has exploded would be an understatement. And I think there's a sense of urgency on the side of producers, and we're here to help them. And very important, all size producers need to do this. Absolutely. Whether you're show pigs uh, or the largest producer in the country, um, AgView is a tool that can serve you uh, on the day-to-day as well as serve the entire industry in an outbreak um, to help us quickly regionalize disease through aggressive and, and rapid contact tracing of pigs. And that's really what we need to do. Um, a great analogy is look what happens when you have no data with COVID and what happens. Um, no data equals a lot of things that disrupt your life. If we can get the lion's share of data to our state and federal animal health officials in a 24-hour period like AgView would allow, um, we're in a better spot. I'm thinking from an emergency management perspective, boys, that can make life easier to know that this is my radius when you show fire departments and everybody else who are going to help you out saying these are where we need to block. Yeah, being able to understand what you're dealing with uh, in the incident command um, and who you're dealing with as far as what type of production's in there, size of operations, uh, number of pigs, all of that situational awareness can speed up a response because then you can plan off the data that you see. If you don't know who's in your control area, the state has to drive it and they have to talk to producers and they have to get data and that producer may not have data in electronic format. It may be on a pad of paper maybe up in their brain. Um, And so if you want a fast response from your state animal health officials, you have to get them data fast to make a good risk-based decision. And it's such an easy process to do. And they can make an appointment with you guys to to learn how to do it. Absolutely. If they go to uh, porkcheckoff.org backslash agview, then that takes them to the page where they can either register for account if they're uh, comfortable doing that, but there's a request a demo uh, button. And they can request a demo. Um, once producers have a demo and they get onboarded into the account, if they want their own customized hour to help them get data in, we will do it. Um, we're taking every effort to, to get producers comfortable with it, understand the system, and help in assisting entering data. So with ASF, is there is there a concern of feral hogs? Absolutely. If you look at what's going on in the EU, the reason that they keep seeing flare-ups of uh, African swine fever in their commercial and backyard production is it has made its way into their wild boar population. The wild boar population in the EU is huge. And uh, once it gets into your wild boars, uh, then you've got a struggle because you can't eliminate all of those pigs. We have feral pigs here in the United States. uh, And so... Uh, one of my biggest worries is African swine fever getting into that population. Uh, we're lucky, we're very lucky, especially for USDA Wildlife Services and our USDA Veterinary Services counterparts along with our states. 
And Dr. Webb said that active surveillance program with African swine fever so far is holding true. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. Before investing. Clay Patton on the World Radio Network. Let's check in on the closing grain trade now with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing and Chicago Publisher of the newsletter this week in grain. John, a good day for the corn market, despite the fact we didn't get out positive ethanol numbers and we've seen some widespread rain. We're in hearing decent yield potential out in parts of the eastern corn belt. So what continues to feed the bull in this market? Well, I think just chopping sideways is a good is a good uh, is a good way to trade at this time of the year. You know, we've seen really outside of last year, the month of August be kind of a you know harrowing time of the year where you've seen dives from three fifty down to three twenty five. If you recall, carbon drew four dollars, you know, in the high part of July uh, when when folks are bullish on supply, and the next thing you know we be back to three fifty again. I think the fact that we're not trading like that is a very good sign. You know, we've seen other commodities really dive. Uh, I saw somebody out there put a correlation with lumber, which, you know, corn's been pretty correlated with lumber, so it is a little scary to think we could liquidate like that. But I think my thinking is we would have already, you know, unless unless there's supply that, that will be rationed somewhere else via ethanol. But when you look at the margins, I mean, the margins are better than they've been any time in the last decade. You know, I would say the last seven years, if you go back, uh, ethanol margins are that good. So regardless of its mandates around or, uh, or what whatnot, um, the fact is we're using the supply, so the, the value of production is there, and, and you know USDA probably brings that supply down a little bit usage for ethanol, but uh, I think in the long run it'll get replaced by exports. U.S. dollar not doing much today. Still haven't heard out from the Fed. We'll hear from that later towards the end of the week. So what continues to be this pressure that we're seeing emerging in the wheat market that just kind of seems to be the anchor at Chicago? Well, I, I think the, the harvest in Europe's going on harvesting Russia is, is going on. So there's global supply that's available. Um, you know, the pace of exports has slowed um, from, you know, the, the per- big buyers in Egypt, Algeria, Jordan, they aren't buying like they, they have been. So you could make on one hand, one case, they're not, you know, prices are rationing themselves. But on the other hand, we're not seeing the price fall. So there's kind of a wonder here what what's going to happen in the international wheat market with, with you know, Russia's newfound crop that's smaller and then you also have problems, uh, you know, with Canadian and U.S. store here in the spring side. So uh, the big question is, what gets acres in the ground? And does $7 Casey wheat compete? You know, does $7 Chicago wheat compete with corn? I think it does if you double crop, but if you don't, you know, then, then not. So interesting article off from Illinois today saying acreage is going to be an issue next year, even at these prices. That is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zang Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the Daily Newsletter this week in Grain. You can always learn more, danielzangmarketing.com. Do remember, though, that trading future and options of all risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. Thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up Midday here on this Wednesday. Catch the Midday Podcast, sponsored by Deveni Motors, wherever podcasts can be found, or ARVN.com.